Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to be looking at verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, once again, we're seeing that the tree of life is making another appearance in the Bible. It is that tree that was spoken about at the world's beginning when God created all things uh, in the early uh, narrative uh, in the book of Genesis. We, uh, we read at that time of the tree of life. Why don't we turn back there in Genesis chapter 2. And it says in verse 8 and 9, And Jehovah God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made Jehovah God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God tells us that uh, he he created all these trees, including the tree of life, which was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, as far as we can tell from the Bible, God just picked, he chose uh, this tree, and he called it the tree of life, and he chose this other tree, and he called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there was nothing really different, for instance, about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil than other trees, except one main difference was that God placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil off limits with the command to mankind, you are not to eat of this particular tree. And and that was the testing ground that God made. But there was another tree in the midst of the garden called the tree of life. It says in verse 15 of the same chapter in Genesis 2, And Jehovah God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And Jehovah God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we um, are aware of these things. We've heard these things before. We've read these things before. But perhaps we haven't thought of this, though, that God said of every tree of the garden 
thou mayest freely eat. And then he said, except that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which meant that the tree of life, which was in the garden, and and therefore it would come under the um, statement of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. The tree of life was available to Adam and Eve to eat from. They could eat all they wanted to from the tree of life. But, of course, um, Satan enters into the picture in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read the first several verses beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Jehovah God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, He shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, He shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So Satan begins his assault. And and this is um, a, a method of his subtlety, his, his deceitfulness, is to raise questions, to particularly about what God has said. Hath God said... And, and that ancient tactic, it was the tactic of Satan, the liar, the father of lies from the very beginning in, uh, in his plan to deceive mankind. He comes at them at, with the, um, the intention of causing confusion and doubt regarding what God has actually said. And we we see this identical tactic used repeatedly in in the world today. When you look at the world's religions, why are there so many religions? Why is there a Muslim and a Hindu and a Buddhist and and so forth? And and all these different religions presenting different gods. Because Satan wants man to wonder, hath God said? And look, there's this God says things different from that God. And it leaves the people who are subject to all these religions or, or to various ones uh, to question which is right, which is truth, which is actually the word of God. But then for those that make it through that particular obstacle of which religion, and they happen to find the correct religion of Christianity, the Bible, then Satan enters into the churches and sows tares amongst the wheat. And what do these tares do? They rise up in the congregations, and they basically mouth Satan's tactic. Hath God said on this verse... And that verse on this doctrine, on that doctrine, and they 
uh, in the confusion are able to put forth lies for truth, darkness for light, evil for good, and we have high places built into the church, false teaching, erroneous doctrine, other kinds of gospels, all following this basic methodology that Satan uh, originated back in the Garden of Eden, hath God said. And yet, of course, God is fully aware of Satan's tactics. And, and how does God combat this? Well, God gives his people ears to hear the voice of their shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they only hear his voice. The voice of a stranger they do not hear or follow. And and so God gives discernment. And the people of God are then able, because God has given them this wisdom, to understand truth and to be able to weed through the religions to get to the right religion. And then in the right religion during the church age to weed through all the many false churches to get to the churches that were faithful. And then, even when God's through with the churches, to weed through the churches to get to the gospel, the Bible itself. It's always been, they hear the word of Christ speaking through the Bible, and God keeps them in Christ, and and it's a straight, narrow way that people of the world cannot follow because God brings them through. And the the people of the world, well, they're going after this religion and going after that um, particular denomination or that church's teaching or this uh, erroneous doctrine and gospel. They're not kept. They're not preserved by God. They do not hear Finally is what it comes down to, the voice of the shepherd, and, and so they, they'll go astray. It, 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 uh, there's just no way to maintain that, that narrow path without Christ walking ahead and guiding us. Well, here, going back to Genesis 3, ye shall not eat of every tree, And then verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Well, there, there we have the... Failure of the test. In the midst of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
that God forbid to be eaten of. And they were both said to be in the midst of the garden. And the one tree, they Adam and Eve could have eaten and eaten and eaten and lived forever. And, and in a joyous, perfect condition, they, they would have continued with um, just a beautiful life with God. And yet, Satan comes and begins to get their eyes off the tree of life and on to this other mysterious tree, this curiosity of a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he makes it sound so good. And basically, if we look at it, it's similar to here is the world today and its sin and and what does it call us to do? Come and know no evil. No evil. It allures us to come and see or come and do and experience or hear evil. And we were so interested. We're, we're so curious about the evil. And God says, be babes in evil. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And, and, and here's the word of God. Just plain old Bible. Uh, it, and just sitting there. And, and so it, 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 don't we in some ways, um, have the same two trees before us? And man has had these same two trees before them as time has unfolded. Here's the word of God, the Bible, that brings life. And here is the wretched fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And once you partake of it, it brings sin and death and misery and sorrow and suffering. And yet people keep flocking to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and yet some of them think that they would do it. They would do different than Adam if they were back there. Well, no, no, we, uh, it shows when we go away from the Bible to the things of the world, we would have done exactly what Adam did and Eve did and no differently. Well, a little further on here, at the end of Genesis chapter 3, it says in verse 22, And Jehovah God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And by the way, let me just stop here for a second because this is an early reference to the fact that Christ has already experienced evil. And that's what God means. The man has become as one of us as man was created and God said, let us make man in our image, and so the us is referring to the Godhead, to the triune God, and and yet God specifies man has become as one of us because it was the one Christ who took the sins of his people, the elect predestinated to salvation, at the point of the world's foundation 
And in taking their sins upon himself and bearing them to pay the price of his own life for them, he experienced evil. He came to know in a very intimate way the evil deeds and thoughts and words of his elect people. And after all, God was pouring out his wrath. God struck him dead for the sake of those sins. So, yes, Jesus knew evil in the sense that he was, he bore those sins. And, and so here Jehovah God says, behold, the man is become as one of us to know or experience good and evil because Adam had known good. He had known God. He had known righteousness. He walked uprightly before he fell into sin and now he disobeyed God and he experienced evil. It's not a matter of intellectual knowledge. God, uh, 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 God had commanded, do not eat of the, uh, eat of that tree of, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam could have known this is evil uh, intellectually, but it's one thing to know in your mind uh, a concept and it's another to experience it. And, and that's what he had done. When he committed the act, the rebellious act of disobeying God. And, and so the man became as one of us, as Christ, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, Jehovah God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Up until Adam and Eve disobeyed God and and sinned and partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had access to the tree of life. And they could have eaten from it. But once they sin, their, their sinful action brought death to them. Death uh, uh, that they experienced spiritually right away and later would experience physically. And it also cut them off from the access, the free reign they enjoyed of the tree of life. Now, the tree of life continued to exist, according to what God is saying here. The tree of life wasn't destroyed. It, it wasn't um, demolished or in any way. It continued to exist, but access to the tree of life uh, regarding Adam and Eve or mankind, as we were all in the loins of Adam at this point, access was restricted. Now, God doesn't say that um, that no one can ever get to the tree of life, but he just says that he places cherubims and a flaming sword, 
which guard the way to keep the way of the tree of life. The cherubims are a figure to represent God himself. And it's interesting, later when the house of God, the temple is built in the time of Solomon, that the cherubim are um, carved and, and placed inside the Holy of Holies. Uh, we read in Second Chronicles 5, verse 7 and 8, And the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And we know exactly what would happen once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest of Israel would enter into the Holy of Holies, the only day he was allowed to go in, and he had to go in with much incense that would make the room very smoky or cloudy, and it would be hard for him to see anything. And he went in with the blood of the sacrificial offering, and he approached to the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubims above looking down. And this is very similar. It's very much related to to what God said in Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24. The tree of life is guarded or protected by the cherubims and a flaming sword. Well, the high priest had the blood and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat that covered over the ark. And inside the ark were the Ten Commandments representing the law of God. The law of God that condemns mankind because of our sin. Because of what Adam did, as he was our figurehead, when he disobeyed God, he broke God's law. The law condemned him. The law demanded death. In the day you eat thereof, ye shall die. For Adam and for all of us in Adam, of course we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and we're all responsible sinners, and we're all subject to the wrath of God, which is death for our own sin. And and so this is what is pictured as the blood of Christ, and Christ is typified by the animal that was sacrificed, and he's typified by the high priest that brings the offering into the holy place under the gaze of God as the law is condemning mankind for our misdeeds, and the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat covering the law, and the picture is the law is now appeased. God's wrath is satisfied. The demands of the law have been met. Now there can be forgiveness. Now there can be grace bestowed, mercy given, life to sinners. And 
for all those that Christ died for. And that's what the cherubims with the flaming sword guarding the way of the tree of life is really portraying. It's a similar picture. In order to get to the tree of life, one must die. And you can't get through the flaming swords. You cannot approach unto the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubim are gazing down. It's as though, uh, uh, as God says, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do, and he sees our sin. It's why Adam and Eve realized they were naked immediately after they sinned. Our sins are exposed to holy God, and and in order to now reach the tree of life or to live forever, there has to be death. There must be the giving up of one's life to get to that tree. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is the one who died and was able uh, to go through the flaming sword and and able to grant his people access once again. Salvation grants eternal life to the sinner and it provides access to the tree of life that Adam and Eve used to enjoy, but then uh, they they cast it aside. But now it is restored. Now God has restored Eden. He's restored the beautiful state between himself and his people. There is peace with God and his elect. They have life. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.